Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, we've been talking about microphones a ton lately. And I'm trying out all these different microphones. A few months ago, you know, we went through a, a deal with trying out new vocal microphones. Well, trying out a lot of microphones all the time can get really expensive because there's no return policy on microphones because thank you, germs, right? So we've partnered with MicRentals.com to make that happen. That's who I was using to try out microphones. The great thing about it is instead of spending $1,000 on a mic capsule, you can pay a very small portion of that and just rent it for a day, rent it for a weekend, and then send it right back. So we want to make that easy for you guys too. So if you go to MikeRentals.com and use code MXU15, you'll get 15% off your rental. If you have a large custom order for wireless mics, maybe for a kid's camp or a large choir, something unique, and you want them to put together a custom order for you, you can do that too and just mention MXU15 when you're talking to those guys and you'll get 15% off that order as well. So go check it out, www.mikerentals.com. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 67 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, your host, and I'm actually hosting by myself this week because my normal co-host, co-founder, compadre, contributor, uh, co-whatever else, Lee Fields, had a big conference at Bayside Church this week and was tied up all week with rehearsals and sessions. And so we're going to talk to Lee about the conference on the next episode, uh, but you've, you're stuck with me today. So while Lee was away, uh, Jay and I decided to have a conversation about a topic that is maybe not so near and dear to Lee's heart, which is mixing monitors. So we're going to have a great conversation with a couple of good friends of ours about their experiences with the monitor desk and how the monitor engineer partners with the band in a lot of different ways to get great mixes. So I can't wait for you to hear that. But before we get to that, I wanted to take a minute just to let you all know that if you haven't yet gotten your tickets for MXU Live, which is happening in the fall, you need to do so as soon as possible. Our early bird pricing ends at the end of May. And so if you haven't gotten a ticket yet and you've been on the fence, you need to jump in because the prices are about to go up. So here are the eight cities that we're going to be if you've been living under a rock and haven't heard about the details. We're going to Los Angeles, Dallas, Denver, Chicago, Tulsa, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Nashville. So that's happening between September 22nd and the middle of October. So you've got a lot of different choices from different areas all around the country. If you want to come to more than one, that'd be great. Uh, but if you want to really experience it to its fullest, you need to bring your whole team. So get yourself and some of your volunteers or some of your other staff from your church and enjoy it together because our two-day events, which are Los Angeles, Dallas, and Chicago, are going to be designed for teams. So day one is going to be a traditional sort of MXU audio mixing day. And then for day two, we're going to have a band on stage with a music director and a video director and camera ops and a lighting designer to talk about how we build a worship set from the ground up. So yeah, we'll talk about audio, but we're also going to talk about video and lighting and communication and music direction. And it's going to be a great way for your team to maybe learn some best practices or experience um, 
kind of the creative process in a bit of a different way that will enable you to leave with great tools to maybe approach what you do better. That's been the kind of mission of MXU Live from the very beginning is how can we have conversations with people to help us all get better, not only get better at what we do, but get better at who we are in the process. And so Lee and I and our special guests cannot wait to host you guys. Um, It's going to be an amazing time during each of those days. So um, again, get your tickets now, go to mxu.rocks because the pricing again is going to go up at the end of May and we want to see you there. So again, the cities are Los Angeles, Dallas, Denver, Chicago, Tulsa, Atlanta, Charlotte, and Nashville. Come see us. We can't wait to see you there. So next week, we're going to talk to Lee about the conference. And I also heard a rumor that he was experimenting with a new snare mic. So we're going to ask him about that microphone, about the conference, about a bunch of other stuff, and we'll have a great time. But until then, let's get to our interview today, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, we are excited to be joined today by Christian Pascal and Robert Bull, who um, are first timers to the podcast. So, welcome, guys! Thanks Woo. for being here today. We, uh, Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, we apologize. Lee's not here, but we didn't really invite him because he hates monitors. This, this, uh, yeah, that's uh, the rumor around town. Yeah, the rumor around town is that out in North California, you don't have to mix monitors; you just hire a guy to do it. So. Yeah. Well, he's got an A2 and an A3 at the conference that he's mixing today, and so he's barely mixing front of house, I think. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure his coffee's warm. <laughs> and fresh. And his gloves are white. But anyway, yeah, very white. Yeah, so very his his gloves are freshly bleached <laughs> and snow white. So I've known Christian for a long time, um in back from the Atlanta days and unhindered and Passion and North Point and all that world. Uh, but Christian, for those of you guys who, who don't know Christian Pascal, excellent drummer, MD, producer, mixer, studio guy as well, plays drums for Marin Morris and does a lot of uh, mixing and production work when he's not with her. Uh, can we talk about his his bigger acc- accolades are he's my former roommate. That is, that's a feat. Uh, Christian, we had Pat on the podcast a, a little while back. Oh, there was not a serious note in that whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, lots of useful information. I'm yeah, sure. But, uh, Pat actually has. Pat had a microphone. <laughs> he had the most. He had the most technology of anyone in the podcast. The episode that day, he had a yeah. a new microphone and a setup. Like he was technologically superior to Matt Marr, who loves gear, <laughs> right? And had no microphone. Right. He was in his car talking through his AirPods. Hiding from his kids. <laughs> hiding from his kids. And then, you know, Pat shows up with a whole setup, like straight from the box at Sweetwater. So Jeff, uh, we were excited. I, I don't know if you know this. Also, I married Christian and his wife, so it's only legal in 32 states. It's true. Okay, good. Well, the, the right Reverend Jay Desai, Master of Ceremonies. Um, so where can't you go as a married man, Christian? <laughs> That's a good question. It's, 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 it's the same as the Georgia gun license. If you look at it, it, it all it all folds in together. So wherever you can carry. Just, yeah, just flash it real quick. <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Totally yeah. fine. Well, that's what's always been funny to me about the city of Atlanta is when you walk in for your marriage license, it's the same desk yeah. as the 
the gun license. carry permit. Yeah. yeah, the gun license station. That lady behind that desk is the same one who's going to marry you. So, yeah. you know, if I, I guess you know, if you're good enough to carry a gun, you're good enough to get married in the eyes of the state of Georgia. Yeah. And, and they, they do <laughs> ask on the they do ask on the questionnaire if you're related. Um. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. That's or if you have sweat glands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do they give you a two-for-one discount if you get your concealed carry permit and your marriage license in the same day? I'm sure they do. Um, <laughs> it's like an insurance company giving you the bundle. It's yeah. like you get your auto and your homeowners in the same place. You get your gun license and your marriage license. Absolutely. And we've also got Robert Bull here today. Uh, so Bull is a legendary monitor engineer and friends of these guys. But we haven't met in person before. So, Robert, it's great to meet you. And um, I guess... I'm allowed to call you bull. I'm not sure, but I feel like everybody does. So yeah, please that's, do. That's what we're going to do. Anyway, um, Jay, why don't you kick us off? Because you know these yeah. guys better than I do. That'd be great. Um, bull, why don't you give us a uh, state of uh, industry from your perspective and tell us what you've been up to recently? Um, so things are starting to open up, it, it appears. I mean, you know, we're just a, um, I'm a sales guy for Claire Global. Uh, right now, but I also still mix uh, if people need be. So my perspective is kind of from the company perspective, and and it looks like things are starting to open up. Um, there's a lot of people that are hurting. There's a lot of great people that are really struggling, and it's um, it's tough to see. I mean, I can't tell you how many phone calls I would get that says I'd have a friend call me up and say, "I don't care if you're lying to me or not. Just tell me something positive," you know. Um, and I think it's the light at the end of the tunnel in the industry right now, at least I hope and pray. Um, but we are seeing some quotes, you know, go out the door with PA. Um, a lot of board monitor groups are getting put back together. And what that really means is people are getting, hopefully going to get back to work sooner than later. No, that's, yeah, that's great. I hope so, I mean, it's been, it's been horrible to see. I mean, I've got so many friends who have had to just go find other things to do, not just, not just to do, but other ways to make a living. Like, completely changed careers and it's just it's been really sad i mean we all we all knew that live events would be the kind of the last thing to come back but you know seeing seeing a few things now and seeing sports open up and you know some shed shows and some outdoor things that are kind of starting to gain traction i'm hoping that in the fall we're going to see actual tours you know seeing mark oglesby this week posting about one republic being out and doing the today show kind of outdoor concert deal and that, that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, we're hopefully there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And I know Jeff and I, and a couple other friends went to the UFC fight last two weeks ago down in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. It was the first, uh, sold out arena. It was 15,000 people in an arena. Um, and it was wild to be around that many people. It's like culture shock. The people watching was fantastic alone. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. Some people have had this outfit ironed and ready for a year, you know. <laughs> uh, well, and as far as the US, UFC is concerned, COVID is over. No. I mean, it was it was wall to wall. Did you feel awkward being around that many people? I mean, what was it like? I felt awkward being around Jay, but I always feel that way, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been vaxxed and so that gave me a little more peace of mind, you know. Mm. Uh, but there was not a mask. Uh, it was it was interesting to see people's uh People had just, it was like COVID didn't exist for one night. It was wild. It was weird. I've had the virus, and so I didn't feel as susceptible. Mm. It, it, didn't, it didn't seem like anybody was tentative or 
skittish or anything. It's I mean that crowd obviously they're they're wide open anyway. But um, I didn't think I'd missed it, a room full of people screaming, kind of just excited. But it was it felt good. It was worth it. Um, I wish there were, yeah. wish there was music on the other end and not a broken shin bone. But yeah, <laughs> it's a start. A buddy of mine, um, Todd Wines, makes his front of house for Miranda Lambert, and he said. They just did five shows, I think, or I don't know, two weekends down at Billy Bob's. And he said that um, he goes, it was, he had to mix painfully loud because everybody was so excited, so pumped up, singing every word to every new song of Miranda's. Um, he said by the end of it, he was just, you know, he started off and he's like, okay, head up. And I'm kind of looking around and the sounds all right. And the people start singing and he would turn up the PA and have to kind of lean down a little bit because it was getting kind of loud. And he said by the end of it, it was kind of duck and cover because everybody was just going crazy. So, wow. you know, I definitely think people are ready for it. Well, it's interesting. It's an interesting point when you said people are singing along to all her new songs. It's like right. you know, artists have had the opportunity to release music during this time. So now the fans are going to come in and unlike a normal like record release tour where they're going, hey, play all your old stuff because those are the only songs I know. People are now coming in knowing the new songs, which is actually an interesting phenomenon that we haven't really seen before because usually you know a new song it's like okay sit down we gotta wait till the second chorus before we're even familiar with this thing yeah. and now they're gonna come in going hey from the get-go i know every word so that's that's cool and that idea of sort of pent-up excitement and just the energy walking in the door it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun you know when when things do come back. yeah it's gonna be solid pascal christian um max I have a lot of names for you. Uh, what have you been up to since the COVID started? Other than playing at the Grammys and <laughs> other award shows. I've basically been an award show drummer, as it were. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Marin, uh, you know, back last year, um, you know, when we didn't really know what was happening in March, when this all really kind of hit uh, 2020, like, they, uh, we had a tour that was supposed to happen, um, I believe, if I remember correctly, starting in May, and uh, she, uh, Marin had a baby uh, just before that, and so we took a little. We had already taken a little time off, and she was going to get back at it in May, and they pushed it back a month, and they pushed it back a month, and then we got the call that was basically like, "Hey guys, we're we're not touring this year. Um, uh, we're going to reschedule it for 2021." Uh, and then fast forward to 2021, where they had rescheduled everything to start in maybe it was April. Uh, I can't remember. Um, <clears throat> obviously that didn't happen. Uh, and the option became touring in the latter half of this year. And so, uh, you know, Marin's going to put out a new album sometime in, in that window. Uh, and so, um, I hope I'm allowed to say that. I assume so. I could be wrong. So maybe who cares, but, uh, <laughs> but point being, she's going to put out some new, some new music and wants to wait to, uh, tour that you know um instead of trying to hit those markets in the back half of this year and then top of next year so uh 2021 even we're just uh we're chilling basically uh we'll do uh and then we'll tour in 2022 2021 though it's just uh like you said award shows and a couple of festivals are on the books that uh we'll see if they what's kept you busy this past year um for me it's been it's been studio stuff it's been mixing i feel I feel like drumming this past year is something that I know how to do, but not what I do. Um, because it's <laughs> just been, it's been, I'm sitting in the studio now, you know, it's just been 
mixing uh, studio stuff. So, uh, and then a little bit of like church broadcast kind of things uh, and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, thankfully it's been a busy year in that in that regard. Um, I consider myself extremely fortunate to have had something to turn to. And I, I think, you know, I know there's a lot of church listeners that, uh, you know, or that are part of this and uh, I'm sure they would echo that, uh you know, having the church being able to provide work to people was, was pretty um, special and unique. Yeah. 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 Uh, Christian, I had done a lot of stuff at passion when it first hit. And then uh, we got the privilege of going out with uh, doing an RV uh, telethon, basically picture like your old school telethons. Uh, Bull Christian and I went out and mixed a uh, uh, RV telethon for 10 days and for camping world, this amazing organization, in September when no one was working and it was, they treated us like a million bucks uh, and uh, sold more RVs than they ever have. And I didn't think I wanted an RV until then. Uh, Jay and I could tell you all about RVs. Oh yeah. (laughs) One of the reasons we wanted to get y'all together is Christian being a drummer or formerly a drummer, soon to be a drummer again. Um, and uh, Bull, you being legendary from what I know of you, you've worked from everyone from the Stones to uh, His Highness Christian Pascal here. And so w- what a resume on the on the front end, at least. Uh, talk about the relationship and, and ways most of our community um, is our touring guys and church guys kind of intermixed and, you know, and uh, ways that Monitor World uh, could be better, different, you know, and. Uh, Christian has spoken so highly of your work and uh, the relationship you all have. And, and so I wanted to get you all together and, and um, see how we could talk about that. So um, first off, is Christian the pickiest person you've ever had behind the drums? Not even close. <laughs> like not even because he knows what he wants. Right? That's the and, problem. And he knows frequencies. No, it's not. He, and that's the thing about monitor mixing is if if you work with somebody who knows that, all you got to do is turn the knob till they smile. I mean, it's not. Right. I mean, these they're telling you what to do. Um, I always joke that when Christian's behind the drums, he could just get up and do it better. He's, it's like he knows every desk anyway. It's like he had to help me save on one of them. <laughs> That's no lie. Did I? Early on. You remember that when we were um, uh, at Blackbird, we were at Blackbird Academy? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't remember how to save on a profile. And you're like, dude, I can show you. I go, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff knows we spend enough time on profiles. Yeah. The yeah. profile I think is one of the greatest layouts of a desk there is. In terms of workflow and ergonomics and especially coming from analog to digital back in that day, it was like it just made sense. It was everybody hates on that console now, but the funny thing, I remember like this has been a few years, four years. Marin's first big tour was, you know, like opening first of three for Keith Urban and uh Kirk had that he had a profile out with, you know, with Avid stage racks. And I mean, and it sounded fantastic. You know? Absolutely. It sounded unbelievable. Just goes to show you. That's the, cool. It's the guy twisting the knobs. But you know what? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, it's just like the drummers, right? Or a guitar player, or whatever else. You know, it's all in the hands and it's all, you know, it's all in the player. And it's the same thing with mixing, you know, yeah. you, uh, you know, start with the input and let it rip, tater chip, you know? That's good. So, yeah, we always say, you know, put the right mic in the right place and it makes the rest of it a whole lot easier. But when it does come to, especially 
super church team, let's say you're working with volunteers on stage who aren't necessarily studio mixer level folks who don't know the difference between 250 hertz and 2.5, it's a bit of a different conversation. So there is a communication aspect that has to go between you know, the folks on stage and the guy who does have the knowledge maybe at the monitor desk and creating this sort of lexicon of the way we communicate, I think is super important. So, you know, when a, when a singer or a drummer or a whoever uses words that aren't technical to describe things, it's like, you know, it sounds woofy or bright or harsh or thin or whatever. You know, we, we tell people all the time how important it is to sort of translate some of that so it doesn't get lost in the communication. So let's talk for a minute about communication and how you guys approach, you know, establishing a good mix, mix changes, you know, Jay, you know, he'll sh- show up with a roll of quarters and give everybody four quarters. And it's like, okay, you got, you got four changes. And when your dollar's <laughs> out, you're, you're done with, with monitor changes. So that's one approach. I'm not sure that's the best approach. But, now um, with Venmo, they can pay me as much. Yeah. I'll, I'm, I'll, you know, Venmo and Cash App, just send me some money. I'll give you all the unlimited, changes you want. Unlimited changes. Yeah, so Can let's I, just talk for a few minutes about how you approach that from the engineer perspective. Real so, fast. I, I, sorry, not to interrupt you, Bo, but I just want to preface what Bull's about to say by saying that this guy is, I think part of what makes him amazing is, obviously, like, you're an incredible engineer, but um, the, on it, frankly, there's lots of incredible engineers out there. It's It's Bull's bedside manner and ability to do exactly what you're talking about that I think like really sets him apart. And, and, and maybe that's a good thing for everybody to remember. If you're behind a monitor desk, it's, it's not about being, it's not about necessarily being the best engineer, quote unquote. It's, you know, he he would have a lot more to say about this, but I I think that it's uh, at least equally as much so about, you know, dealing with people. Yeah. Well, it's probably 80% therapist and 20% technician, right? I mean, especially depending on the artist, you can get some pretty temperamental folks behind the microphone who need to be coddled and massaged a little bit as much as they need kind of technically excellent mixes, but it's both. So let's talk about both. So the one thing about, I mean, you know, to preface the monitor mixing thing, you know, I never really thought I was really ever that great of a mixer and and that's okay because it doesn't matter what i want things to sound like and i think that that's that's lost a little bit you know i hear some young mixers talk about my art or my this i think it is so important to make sure we're giving those musicians and those singers on stage exactly what they need um to perform and so if if somebody wants a mix uh as long as they're not hurting themselves. But if somebody wants something done one way, uh, who am I to say, no, let's not do that. Right. You know, if, if people pitch off of different things, right, they get their pitch reference off of different things. Um, and maybe it's something that I wouldn't, I mean, I know a female singer that gets pitch off a bass. Kelly Clarkson actually does. And to me, that's odd, but for her, that is an unwavering thing that she just, she sings like an angel um, but the bass guitar is her pitch reference. And normally it's a keyboard or an acoustic or something, you know, uh, along those lines um, or tracks or whatever. So I think you have to take your ego cap off. And I think that it's really important to put yourself in in their shoes, you know, the musician's shoes. And, 
you know, one of the things in Krishnabats for this is, is a mixer that I love to do is to go listen to the instrument. So if Christian's playing drums or anybody's playing drums on stage and, you know, you're not in combat audio, go up and listen. I mean, listen to what, you know, if there's a guitar amp, listen to what the guitar amp sounds like, because your job is to recreate that sound, not to go in and mess everything around and do all this and that. And there might be times you need that, but I, I really try to take the, the basic approach of, of mixing. And then that also puts you in a situation to talk to the musicians, right? I mean, put yourself on the same level as them. I, I strongly just like the, the mixers that like to talk down and use all the technical jargon. If, if that person's not technical, Right. I mean, I've had guitar players playing acoustic guitar and they'll be like, man, every time I hit an A, it feeds back in the monitors. And you go, okay, well, that's got to be 400 because we tune our guitars to A440. Right. I mean, there's those things that you can do to put yourself on the same level. And, and I think that's the key to monitor mixing is, is that you're one big team, you're one big symbiotic team. And um, if you can, you know, kind of check your ego and, and, and put on your, uh, your helping hat, I guess, as it were and realize that you're there to help and, and let the musicians realize, you know, that you're, I'm here to help you and we're going to work together to get through it and make it the best that this can be. That's good. That's good. I like the point about, you know, their preferences and your preferences can be different and that's okay. I mean, I remember mixing for a guy who wanted click panned all the way to the left and yep. his acoustic panned all the way to the right and vocal up the center. And it's like, well, man, the click all the way to the side just sounds, sounds so weird. It sounds horrible. Doesn't matter. It's what he right. wants. And if that's going to help him, then great. What about people who don't know what they want or don't know what to listen for or don't know what they need? We just went through this at the church I uh, go to here in Atlanta is that um, we like we have a new singer, not maybe, maybe a background vocalist, not necessarily singing lead, and we don't ever bring them up to speed. They're using generic ears that we have at the church. And we throw them on stage, and we never walk them through how to. This first time they might be using ears, and so what would you tell someone that that is new to the in ear thing, or an engineer that's uh, got a bunch of new people? Like, how would what is a good reference point? Where do you start? Yeah, so I have this thing. This guy Randy Weitzel, who is one of my mentors, um, he has this great saying, and, and it's really stuck with me. It, it, if you guys remember the band Stone Temple Pilots, it's STP, right? Um, and that just, it's very simple. It's self, time, and pitch. So whenever I bring everybody into this or we start, you need to hear yourself, you need to hear timing, and you need to find out what you pitch off of. Everything else is just kind of window dressing. But that's kind of the meat and potatoes. And so that's what I try to tell singers or young artists um, when, they, when they're new to ears um, is, you know, those are the three things. And then I also talk to him. Uh, I just did it Friday, actually, um, with a new artist where you say, look, you, you, need, you need to learn how to communicate. And when you go and you use a different mixer or you do this, or you need to be able to those three things, you know, just make sure you can hear yourself, hear time and hear pitch. And the other thing that I talk about too, is, is, you know, with ear monitors, and this is a good one to explain is you only have so much amplitude, right? Which basically means it only gets so loud before it starts to distort. So when you are, if you're struggling for pitch or for any of those things, I always tell them you can only get so loud. So listen to your mix and tell me what I can turn down. Oh, that's great. To be able to get out of the way of what it is that you're not hearing. So almost subtractive mixing um, because you only have so much volume. That's great. You said this term earlier, combat audio. Uh, Sunday mornings, 
uh, or combat audio because uh, the clock is against you and attitudes are always against you because it's early. Like tomorrow, I got to be there at 530. I'm already telling you I got a bad attitude. <laughs> it's pre it's <Yeah>. pre-done. <laughs> um, so can I tell you guys a story about that real quick? First time I ever met Christian Pascal, he was playing Crowder. Is that right? Yeah, Christian? I was I was his uh babysitter in that season. You I might were you on stage? Probably yelling. hundred percent guaranteed. <laughs> I was yelling at somebody. <laughs> this is crazy. That was you. Because I told this story so many times, Jay, and I didn't even realize I had a it shaved you. head at that time. And uh, a how bad an attitude Jay had? <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. Oh my God, this guy no, was just no. an a-hole. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you about this. This is so awesome. This is you. Uh, when we were doing AIBA, which is International's Entertainment Buyers Association. Yeah, I remember that. You two guys. You two guys walked up there with like how many how many players? Like fourteen. I mean, people? it was eight. It felt like fourteen because it was like the set of Sanford and Son blew up on stage. <laughs> Crowder plays five things, and then the two utility guys all play like six or seven things. So moving them to Kemper's like input list went from a hundred million to thirty-two when we did that. But yes, I mic stuffed. I didn't even know what it was. It looked like a bookcase that had like a, a bellows <laughs> in it or something. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. And us right? too. <laughs> and. And so, oh, this is so awesome. This is you. But I was so, you talk about being frustrated and bad attitude. We've got our butt kicked the whole day long. And you guys were the last act. And you, everybody needed a wedge. Everybody needed an ear. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? I mean, for the 20 minutes that you guys are up there. And Jay, you just looked at me and you said, man, we're going to get through this. And we banged through all those inputs and all those mixes in about less than 10 minutes. And you're like, if you'll just follow me, We'll get through this very quickly. And I sat there to myself and I went, you know, I could be a real jerk right now because I'm tired. I got gig butt. I'm, I'm over this. And I just got a band with all these outputs and inputs or I'm going to have to do it one way or another. Right. So I just kind of went, okay, well, we'll get through it. And it turned out to be really great. And I remember Crowder came over and he goes, hey, man, thanks for not being a dick. And I said, well, I mean, we had to get through it. Right. And, um, he goes, yeah, man, it's only music. And you were actually, Jay, standing on the stage. And I go, is that like David Crowder band Crowder? And you're like, yeah. I was kind of freaking out because I'm a fan of his. And so when I saw him, I'm like, you're not like David Crowder, right? He says, yeah. And I said, where's your crazy hair? And he took off his cap. Oh, gosh, that he had. that's disgusting. And that, <laughs> right? And that thing came out. And I was like, man, this is, and it wound up to be, you know, it was a choice, right? I could either really be the grumpy audio guy. Or I had somebody like you that was digging in with me. And Christian, I remember you stayed and we worked on a couple of different things. And I thought this could have went two totally different ways. Um, and honestly, it was, it was you guys that helped get me through that. Um, it was, it was an amazing thing. And so that anyway, that's the first time I met Christian. And then um, I met him again when uh, a guy named Matt Payne had called up and said, hey, can somebody come over here and show me how to, show this girl how to put her ears in and what she wants for a mix and everything else. And I met Christian, he started playing drums and I'm like, what is this? I mean, holy cow. And so we just, we formed friendship from there. That's, that's awesome. That's uh, the Crowder, the Crowder spectacle was really something Christian. Uh, we didn't add that to your resume earlier, but Christian played drums for Crowder. A bull, it made it uh, even better because Crowder was our neighbor. And so <laughs> I was his TM and PM and his neighbor. I couldn't get rid of the guy. And actually, Jeff lived down the street at the time. I literally couldn't get rid of him. Like, it was it was a fantastic season in our life. It was a great, great season. Um, and we, we had a great time. But uh, there were so many inputs on that thing that I just learned at festival season that 
someone had to hold the horns, you know? Yeah. And the monitor guy would freak out looking at the input list. Yeah. The Kemper thing did, right before I uh, stopped traveling with Crowder, we got him Kempers, and that changed the game. But Christian, Christian used to play drums and mix monitors at the same time. We had this hideous Proco Momentum system that we inherited from the David Crowder band. When Crowder went from David Crowder band to Crowder, we had inherited mm-hmm. this Proco Momentum system. And I've never seen, Christian would be just playing drums angry because something in that stupid thing wouldn't work. <laughs> it sounded terrible. But it also, I also at one point had a uh, had a Midas. Um, oh, Pro One. One the little Pro One back uh, there. Shout out to Ben Gale over at Sine Wave. We were going out on this little tour. And I said, I just need a small desk. I don't have a ton of room. And he said, you need to take the Midas Pro One. Let me figure out how to get one. And he got said, Christian had this Midas Pro One next to his drum set. And he would just mix monitors. It was, it was a joy to watch his anger. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. So... For the for the guys who feel the pressure of combat audio, whether it's because of their lack of experience or the band on stage not knowing exactly what they want, what are a couple of tips that we can give people on just simply how to get faster? Because I think there are people on stage who get so frustrated by sound checks taking forever, you know, background singers just waiting around because the drummer is trying to figure out exactly how much of the snare bottom mic is required to make this esoteric thing happen it's like you know there's something about simplicity and realizing even even with the crowder example of those of all those inputs you know there are a couple of things that aren't necessarily as vital as others so let's talk about speed for a second how do we tell guys to get up and running faster so for me i try to look at things as a whole uh it drives me insane to Okay, kick drum, raise your hand if you want kick drum, snare drum, because to me, it's a drum set, right? So I normally, if, if I'm approaching, and matter of fact, we did that day, um, to give me kick, snare, and hat, give me the groove, right? Because that's what all your, your mixes are going to be built upon. So I try to go through there and, you know, get the drummer happy and then just start spreading the love a little bit. There's a couple of things that happen with that. You know, you need to make sure you're laid on your console is, is meant for you where you can keep your eyes up. Cause I think, you know, a lot of times we're so busy in the screen that uh, we forget that everything that we're doing is actually happening on stage. Um, so to be faster, I think, you know, you need to, to have your layout in your console the way it is. You need to have everything, you know, like you talked about Jeff, very simple, but I think we need to, you know, look at groups and um, like I said, kick snare hat and then start spreading that around. The other thing it does by doing that, is it gets the musicians number one, knowing that you're, you're with them. And it's kind of a gentle kick, kick in the pants, right? Cause all of a sudden they're like, Oh wow, I got drums. Yeah. Oh wow. I got this, right. you know? So I think it's really important to do that keyboard. Same thing. You know, if uh, you know, if you got two different keys that you can be playing at the same time, if you got a B three or something like that, um, you know, kind of think of it as pockets and then, you know, try to be one step ahead of the band, try to lead them um, so that they know that you're with them and that you're on top of it. That's really good. Christian, you got anything to add for the, from the musician side on that? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, gosh, a lot in a way. I'm going to try and boil it down. But I, I think that, um, you know, it probably starts with trusting the guy that you've got back there. So if you've got, you know, trust built. So Marin's monitor guy, uh, Chris, when Chris is there, occasionally, you know, we would show up in a situation and it's uh, – 
maybe a desk that he doesn't, you know, we haven't been on in a year and a half and he's got to, you know, throw something up pretty quick. But, um, but I trust Chris. So I sit down and I'm like, you know what, it, right now when I, when, when my cheeks first hit the drum throne, this, this might not be that great, but you know what, in about five, 10 minutes, like as we're just kind of just dealing with it, get enough to get you going. And Chris is going to do his, make his rounds and, and get it happening. Like, um, you know, and I know that Chris is obviously a professional, but, uh, but yeah, like I, I trust him and he will get there and just have a little bit of patience, uh, for the guy back there. You know, you're not the only one on stage. And frankly, if you're, if you're the drummer, you're not the most important on stage, uh, either, you <laughs> know, like, uh, especially if you're working for an artist, like, you know, Marin's yeah. got a, like, you know, if I got a click track, I can, I can get her done, but she's got, she's got a lot more riding on her shoulders. So you've been a ton of those combat audio positions, Christian, both as an engineer and as a drummer. I mean, uh, you've played in Christian music, so the sound checks are yeah. optional in Christian music. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like that, uh, I cannot remember the artist that played with us that night. There was a country artist that played with us at the Aiba thing. I keep thinking about it. Now that Bull Cassie Poe? I think so. It was actually. Yep. Um, but I remember watching their check not going super great too. And that's probably what adjusted my bad attitude already. But like you've been in those combat audio positions from a drummer's perspective, Sunday morning at a church, how can you help monitor engineer drummer that does imagine you don't know the, the lingo and you're not in the, you know, monitor guy's shoes. Honestly, I think as as silly as it sounds, try not to be picky, you know, try not to, try not to get wound up on the details that aren't the most important details in that moment when there's time and everybody's sitting around drinking their coffee and like nothing's happening. Then we can talk about, you know, more bottom snare. Or, hey, is the over, are the overheads in phase or whatever you want to get technical about or not technical about, like, then you can get into the, to the, uh, to the nitty gritty. But I think like, if it's a combat audio situation, just try and be understanding and try and be not, Try and be low maintenance. The, you know the problem is, is uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sounding like an old man, but people haven't played with wedges. Most of these, a lot of the new guys haven't played with wedges. Bull, you Bull were, knows a thing or two about wedges. Uh, how, how many wedges did you have with the, with the stones? I, I won't bring us off topic. Oh no, that's first. great. I want to hear it. We would use eighty four on a normal day, up to one hundred and twenty five with flown side. Fills. Did you say? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say 84 wedges? Yeah, that was a normal normal show and then Wow. How loud was it on stage? Not very. It really wasn't. It was So imagine those guys being a a blues band Got it. and like you know we would rehearse in small rooms. Um Christian's been in the S4 room. The guys would love that or if you've been to John Henry's in their A room it's tiny and they love that. They they'd love to not rely on monitors. Um, and so your job is to make stadium feel like that small room. And so, you know, having that many wedges is having the, you know, having that feeling everywhere you go. So everywhere you walk on stage, you can hear what you need to hear. So 84 wedges, how many mixes does that represent? 24 of just wedges. Wow. What desk were you out with? A heritage 4,000 and then a, what a beauty, a sidecar. A sidecar. Yeah. All analog, it was great. It sounded, yeah, that's uh, you know, you didn't have to touch the EQ, the desk just sounded good. <laughs> and you know what, for those guys, it was um 57s 
vocals were 58s. You know, I mean, it was Dave Natal, the front of house guy, calls it the good guy mics. And I said, why do you do that? And he goes, because all good guys use these microphones. If you can't get it done with a 58, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. Right. We talk about uh, capsules all the time on, on the podcast and people write on the Facebook and the blogs all the time about different capsules. And I'm just like, just go back to a 58. I, I'm not against capsules. Uh, like, sure. I love this new DPA vocal cap. I don't know if it's new or not new to me. It's a million dollars, I feel like, but I think it's amazing. Uh, but if you can't get it done with a 58, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, Krishna, yeah. Krishna showed up to a church and we mic'd a kit with all 57s. I don't know if you remember this in the unhindered days because what they had wasn't going to work. So, did you put the forks over top of the, the fork upside down over top of the snare top? Mike, have you ever done that? No. So you take a, you go to the cafeteria or whatever and take a fork and you, you know how it normally scoops up? Yeah. Well, if you scoop it down, it'll protect the 57 capsule and you just put some E-tape around it so it doesn't rattle. And that way the drummer, when he goes ah. to hit the snare drum, won't knock the capsule. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah. Sorry. I've definitely I'm taped old. 57s where they don't rattle, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, the fork protects it. Church cafeteria is all over. Going to be missing a fork this week. That's right. It's like a little a little shield on your on your fifty seven grill. I like it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's great. So, Christian, let's talk a little more about the communication side, especially for somebody who has an MD. Like, if you're in charge of kind of corralling the band on stage, you know, how do you partner with the monitor engineer if if you're the go between between the monitor position and the rest of the band gosh i mean thankfully in the in Marin's band you know the situation i've been in for a few years now um again everybody's professional and we're all like on the same page you know so uh, i don't have to do much like um growling per se but um but that said i mean i think that Maybe you can just communicate to the band, hey guys, we got to keep this moving. We have a lot to knock out today. Here's what, you know, but, but you know, I, I try to treat that kind of thing as much like a, um, a job as you can. So you show up and you're like, if we got a lot to do on a certain day, let's say, like, we, uh, Bull was there uh, a, a few weeks ago. We did a, a video shoot in Nashville and we had a lot, we had a lot to get done. And yeah. so when we sit down, it's like, hey guys, or before we sit down, hey guys, here's what we have to do today. Uh, here's the order that we're going to try and do it, um, you know. And as far as sound check goes, it's like let's let's move this along. So, you know, just try and keep the motion going. And if somebody starts to get, as it does happen, if somebody starts to get maybe too far down the rut on something that maybe isn't the most important at that time, you got to move on. You can politely say, uh, "Hey, so and so, uh, you know, we're going to come back to it, but are you cool if we move on for now?" You know what I mean? And just be yeah. on the be on be on your modern engineer's side. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, try and help him do his job. Yeah. Can I, I've yeah, got to tell good. a story about that. Um, Christian. So a lot of times I'll go to these shoots, uh, if people are busy or whatever, and I'll just help with kind of the overall picture, right? Like if you go to the truck or something like that and they were doing the duet, I don't remember the name of the song, but Ryan sings so far in front of the beat or not in front of the beat, but kind of on top of the beat. And Marin is like Eminem. I mean, she's so far behind the beat. She's like, I've always said that. Marin's just like Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sitting over there listening to the mix, and I walk up to Christian, and I'm like, "Man, are you gonna are you gonna mix this thing first of all?" And I love walking up to the drummer and saying, "Are you gonna mix this down?" I just think that's the coolest thing ever. 
And he said, yeah. And I go, you know, do you think maybe you could pocket this a little bit? Because the difference between the two was, was quite a bit. And I said, or what can we do now uh, to help this thing along? And it was, that was the first take. And Christian's like, yeah, okay. You know what? I kind of hear what you're talking about. And that's great because we can have those conversations. Right. Yeah. And so the next pass through, um, he hit the snare lock and it brought her in time more towards the front of the beat where it was still Marin the way she sings. And it was still Ryan the way he sings, but the whole pocket of the whole thing completely changed for the other three takes that we did because he hit a snare drum different. That's really interesting. It's, I think it's all, and that's the funnest part about working. Uh, that's why when you guys ask me, Hey, we do a podcast with Christian. I will, because I'm his biggest fan because he does things like that. We've done cool. TV shows where the symbols are too loud and I can text him and go, Hey, can we lay off the symbols? Then he talks to Chris Daniels, who's the monitor guy, and goes, hey, turn my overheads up so I don't overplay. And now all of a sudden, the guys in the truck are like, what just happened? Why did the mix just come together? It was because we started on stage. And because Christian gets it, and that whole band. Well, I think that's a game changer when everyone gets it. Like engineers, players, everyone's working. When everyone's at least serving the same purpose. Like, you know, I, I, I may have a technical background, but, you know, it's just the whatever it is for you, you know, as a person on stage, it's like if you're trying to serve the larger purpose rather than it being this like weird divide that does seem to happen in churches a lot where it's kind of like the, the you know, uh, it's not the crew at church, you know, but, but the um, production team, production team. Thank you. The production team. <laughs> the technical and the, ministries. The it's like, y'all, y'all need to get over that. Like, you know, like, because. <laughs> without them you, you you know you're no good and 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 vice versa if they're trying to do their job and they say hey the symbols are too loud then chill out on the symbols like you're not helping anybody here you know what i mean yeah. uh it, yeah. it's not them trying to get on your case because they just don't like you hitting symbols the symbols right. are too loud i'm and i'm known for having an attitude just i'm adorable but i'm a little feisty but uh two weeks ago um we did a monitor seminar at the church like for the uh, worship team. And we had 60 people show up, which was awesome. But this week, I had way less of an attitude at rehearsal because I had just been in front of 60 of our worship team, talked about, we got to have good communication. We got to, like, I'm here for you. All the things we're talking about. Like, Bull, do you know uh, James Berry, Cowboy? Oh, absolutely. So, So he works at our church now. James James is about as feisty as I am, and so he he said something to me. He goes, "Not you got to be nice today, <laughs> because we just got done doing this workshop uh, where uh, we uh, just said we want to have good communication." And literally, uh, a friend of mine who was singing on the team came up and said, "Hey, you were super nice today." And I was like, like a little bit inside, I was like, "Yes, I know, I I felt it, but it worked." Don't get used to it. Yeah, no, it uh, you know it for me it was a gut check that we're all, it's what Christian said. That we actually all have the same goal. Like our sometimes our catering spaces are different, and our call times are different. But we all want the same. Yeah. We all want the same thing at the end of the day. We all want this to go super well. All egos aside, the drummer, keys player, myself, yeah. front of house, everyone. So, so I was just going to tell a story. There was um, I grew up uh, in in playing. I played piano and um, trumpet in high school, and was never really good at any of it. But we're doing a, an orchestral show. Um, and this artist was really struggling with pitch and, um, you know, working with, with an orchestra, you guys know it's double, 
double stress because they're union and you start going into overtime and time and a half. So now you got production coming down on you, whatever. So anyway, I went up to the conductor and I said, uh, Hey Ron, can you show me who has pitch? And we're looking at the score together. Now, do I understand all of it? I mean, I kind of understand it, but I can follow notes because high school. Right. So he said, the French horns has her note. And I said, okay. So I walk up to this artist and we'd had things stemmed out and I was doing monitors. And I said, look, four bars before you sing, you're going to hear the most, probably with the most annoying sound you're going to hear come out of these wedges. And I said, I'm not going to blow your head off of it. But if you can hum that note in your head, that's your note coming in on this certain song, whatever it was. And it was interesting. I still get requested to mix that artist 20 years later because I didn't, because I put myself in her shoes. Yeah, that's great. You know, and I think as monitor mixers, we need to do that. Well, and that just brings up another huge point of how important it is to have musical as well as technical understanding. Because you were able to communicate to her and to the conductor in musical terms, things about actual notes on a staff. And you could kind of cue her with bars and beats. And hey, four before letter C, you're going to hear this pitch from the French horns. And it's like, just to unlock that from somebody who is a musician on stage, that, that opens up a whole new way of communicating. So I would say, gosh, if you're not musically versed in that way you know at least start to understand you know the nashville number system or you know the form of the song so you can talk in terms of measure numbers and you know if you're working with a lot of ableton tracks you're going to talk about chunks of different sections of the song and so we can say hey you know in the in the turnaround between the second chorus and the bridge watch out for this you know and as a as an engineer we're not talking about necessarily hertz and frequencies we're talking about music that unlocks a whole nother level and layer of communication with the band that could be super helpful. That's such a great yes, point. Well, I have a question for you. In a lot of these churches, we, we may have four to eight singers and a five piece band back there. Would you stagger their call times for soundcheck? I guess it would depend if they're doing an, you know, an all together. I mean, if there's an all skate at the end, that's one thing. But if, if there is, um, you know, if they each have a, a featured performance, I absolutely would. Yeah, just so you, you. I mean, if you have the time, w- would you stagger the the band from the singers too? Would you have the the five piece come in before the other eight singers and get them dialed in? Hundred percent. And uh, two reasons for that, Jay. And thanks for asking. It, it's um, you get the band comfortable, and you can get the mixes built for the singers because that's one thing too. When you have singers coming in and there's nothing in their ears, it it they get to think. Right. And that sometimes is very dangerous. We want them to sing. We don't want them. We want their head voice. We don't want their head. Right. So if you can already lead them down a path, get things in and also, you know, knowing that this part's going to be hard and during the song, you know what I mean? It gives you a chance to, to really dig into that and go, man, there, she's going to go for this high note here. Is there something I can give her pitch wise or, you know what I mean? Just, it helps you wrap your head around the song or whatever's happened for the day. That's great. Uh, I That's love really how much good. you keep talking about helping the singers find their pitch because that uh, in church world, especially with a lot of younger singers, like they don't know what they want in their ears and stuff. And so kind of putting yourself in their shoes is, is, is vital. Um, what has, what has been your, yours and Christian's most stressful sound check and how did y'all get through there? You might've already kind of hit it. I know mine. Go. 
Mine was Saturday Night Live. You know, people may not know this, but when you do a lot of these television things, um, you know, Chris, you know, our monitor engineer can't mix monitors. You know, it's a union union thing. And so the show has somebody mixing and he can do his best to relay information to them to set them up for success. But for one reason or another, it might not happen. There's a whole layer of communication that has to happen in between. It's a whole thing. And so for whatever reason, um, I mean, my ears, uh, when we did soundcheck there were, I mean, just almost to the point of like not functioning, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I don't remember specifically what was happening, but it was just like, I can't, I don't even know if I can do this, you know? And it was actually a good learning experience for me because, um, cause I've been in that situation since then. Uh, where things were really bad, um, but like, and I and I felt I felt myself like starting to boil up, you know, and like kind of freak out or whatever. It's already kind of a tense situation, and I remember like I, I looked at Matt Payne, who was working with Marin at the time. Bill mentioned him earlier, and Matt saw me boiling, you know, and he and he just like gave me the like, it's okay, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it's it's gonna be all right, and it we're was make like. It. We're going to make it. And we did make it. Eventually, you know, we got a moment to say, hey, God, hey, and here's what's going on in my ears. You know, the bass is blowing me up or, wh- or whatever the case was. Um, and it was, ju- it was just a lesson in kind of what I mentioned earlier, like, uh, but even on a more extreme note where it's like, y- y- you got to just, you got to just chill out. It's going to get handled, you know, like you don't need to cause any more uh, of a ruckus than, than, you know, you don't need to add any stress to this situation you're already at Saturday Night Live and your boss is up there and, you know, it's her first time doing this too. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and her name is on the, on the screen. Uh, yeah, not she's mine. carrying, she's carrying a whole lot more than whether or not your hi-hat panties <laughs> is in the right yeah, place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, let it go and, 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 and let her get herself sorted. If you can just power through the song, be a professional and then come back to it, you know, and, or don't, or if you don't, you know, about the Alicia Keys thing we did together, Christian. Oh, that was an, that was another one. That was another one. The CMT Crossroads with Alicia Keys. God, I love that. I thought that thing was so great. We need to hear that story. <laughs> I don't even remember. Bull probably remembers more details. I think I've blocked oh, the yeah. trauma out of my head. I remember. I remember that soundtrack was the day we soundchecked. Everybody walked away like, "Oh no!" Uh, it did come together, but yeah. So we had to share a console with Alicia keys and they remember Christian. We were, we asked this so many different ways upside down. Are the bands going to play together? And they were like, no, uh, when Alicia plays, it's her band. When Marin plays, it's her band. Well, that wasn't the case. Once everybody got together. And PS, we were sharing band members on different songs. Oh, uh, so I like, there wasn't a separate drummer. I was the drummer, so either I was playing or it was like a like a programmed track, you know. Um, and then it, it, at rehearsal, you know, it was kind of like, oh, we should try pedal steel on this, you know. And <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and they don't know, like, and and like, who's who's going to walk up to Alicia Keys and be like, hey, you know, uh, we didn't plan for this, so you can't have pedal steel. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's the wrong answer, right? Yeah. yeah. She's gonna be like, well, if we can't have pedal steel, we can't have uh, we can't have you, can we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And that was a, a I mean, that, that I was firsthand for that one to see the distinct, oh my gosh, look on the whole band's face and Marin's at the same time, because, you know, Alicia's monitor mixer was doing his job, which affected 100%. the band, you know, whether it was gain or EQ or stuff's moving around on the guys. And, uh, I remember Christian came to me and he's like, bull, I, this isn't, I mean, this isn't working. And I said, I understand. And, um, the band kept their cool. Uh, I think I kept my cool and we stayed after sound check and I knew the tech there. And so we split the inputs, um, digitally. And then we just stayed there and redialed everybody's ears. But that was, that was that moment, Christian, that you keep talking about where if we just chill out a little bit, um, we can figure this out together and we're in this together, right? You know, we're going to do this and, and it turned out great. I mean, it was one of the coolest things I've done with you guys. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It was very cool. And it turned out great. And, and like, it's it, honestly, it's like not that just to reiterate, you know, that's, um, that's a high pressure situation, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got, you're doing this thing with another artist. It's Marin and Alicia Keys and you've got you, the TV taping is going to happen. You know, like mm-hmm. th- this is not a negotiable. Yeah. Um, and it kind of like, it, you know, not to diminish doing church on Sundays, but it's like, it's just all the more reason when you're doing something that should be low pressure, like it's like a church service. It's like, guys, let's take it easy here. This is, yeah. this is not the Super Bowl. You're going to be okay. You know? Um, oh, I think that's great. Well, I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, the fact that everybody there is a pro and they're approaching it in a professional way, you know, when sometimes when church people hear that and they hear, think like a professional or be a professional and they're a dentist or an accountant or an auto mechanic during the week. It's like, okay, professional to them means I got to act like I'm something special when it really means, no, you have an extra layer of calm and humility and okay, we're going to be level-headed and secure in what we're doing. So it's almost like, you know, act like a pro doesn't mean get an ego it means just settle down <laughs> we're going to be okay and that's an interesting way of of making that shift cuz like you say it's it's going to happen whether we're ready for it or not even in a church service it's like hey first service starts at 9 yep and people are rolling in people are rolling yep. in so we got to be level headed and by the way Jeremy you're not allowed to noodle on your guitar the whole time during sound check because we got to get through this. Jeremy, every time. I mean, it's just, <laughs> well, you know. Uh, a little little tip that David Cook, uh, Marin's, Marin's MD, actually uh, brought to brought to our camp, uh, and I don't know if this is practical for churches, but um, everybody on stage has a, uh, we call it, uh, I think I think we call it me time, um, and there's a, there's a macro and if Bennett, the guitar player, is noodling or needs or actually does need to sort something out with his guitar rig, you know, he's got um, alone time. That's what we call it, alone time. And uh, Chris can put him in alone time. He can't hear anybody else. Nobody can hear him. And oh, it, it allows him to sort out whatever he needs to sort out. And then when it's done, he can come out of alone time. That's very good. Put him in timeout. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, uh, we're, <laughs> need to wrap it up here soon but i got a couple questions uh to, to wrap it up christian where uh you just played with john mayer or Marin. you played with Marin and john mayer just tell us how that was i mean bucket list you maybe it wasn't on your bucket list but you added it later checked it off but 
I'm a John. I've always been a John Mayer fan. You know that yeah. huge John Mayer fan. So it was uh, it was really special to get to to get to do that. I mean, um, and 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 just for anybody who's wondering, he was really awesome. Uh, I heard he liked your watch. Let's talk about that watch you were wearing for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Rolex Kermit for anybody who wants to know. Um, a great Sunday morning church watch. <laughs> great church watch. It wasn't John Mayer's watch. He was wearing a very big boy watch. But uh, um, no, it was it was a really awesome experience. And uh, he, I mean, speaking of um, speaking of being chill and being in a new situation, John was there and. It was not his modern engineer. It was Chris Marins. Um, and he was just, how can I, what, what can I, you know, what do you want me to play? What do you want me to sing? Like, my ears sound great. You know what I mean? Just cool as a cucumber. And if anybody in that room uh, had the right to be a diva, he did. And he wasn't. That's great. Uh, where can people That's find awesome. you on the socials and the digitals if they want to see what you got coming up? At Christian Pascal. Uh P A S C H A L L. Mm, French, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Bull, where did your nickname come from? My last name. I wish I had a really good Robert story. Bull, it's that simple. Yeah, it really is. I love it. Um, that's <laughs> awesome. And what you, what do you have coming up? I know you're at Claire full time. Are you going out helping anyone fun coming up or have been doing something? I guess everyone's going out coming up. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of with Christian. I mean, it's the award show thing. You know, for the last award show, I think, didn't I do Marin, Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did Marin. Yeah. Did Marin, Carly, and Stapleton. Uh, I just did a Stapleton taping yesterday or the day before down at Bonnaroo. Is he analog at monitors? Uh, yeah, he's an XL4 um, with SRM wedges. Man, what a just d- plug it in and turn it up. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really is. And that, that whole, you know, so I'm filling in for monitors for that right now, I guess. Cool. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to get us back into it. I know we're wrapping up, but something. If I could just close with one little thought, just philosophically, Absolutely. like you know, I think um, something that that Bull is is amazing at, uh, and he kind of talks. I forgot exactly how you alluded to this earlier, but um, uh, not you know, but he's not very heavy-handed when it comes to EQ and compression and those sorts of things. And I think what that does for us on stage is it sets us up to make sure that the source is right. So, you know, I would just encourage musicians out there to assuming that the monitor engineer is not too heavy handed, instead of trying to fix it on that end, you know, I need more EQ or more this or more that try tuning your drum different, you know, or adjusting your guitar tone or whatever. And I think that that's one of those responsibilities there that kind of goes both ways. It's like monitor guys, let's set our guys on stage up to know exactly what they're giving you and thus giving front of house. And then guys on stage, be try to adjust yourself first before you go, you know. Uh, yeah, that's good wisdom. Sorry, we need to go a little farther into that because yep. I think that's that's a that's a hole that somebody can really dig themselves into if they're not careful, especially if they're coming from a front of house perspective where right. you're having to EQ a lot to compensate for your PA or your room or all that. So Bull, talk about your processing just for a second. Like what is your philosophy about EQ and compression? And you know, people who want some some nitty gritty about that. Like what's, how are you thinking about particularly compression? Cause too much compression can get kind of out of control in terms of just dynamics and, you know, how we hear things and all that. So how are you approaching, you know, those kind of things from a monitor perspective? 
Well, for me, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you a quick story. On the Stones, um, there was a day where we were checking the kick drum, and it was feeding back. He had uh, two 18s uh, and then two wedges on top of it. So um, it was feeding back, and I went to go for the EQ, and the front of house guy, Dave Natal, ran up and said, don't touch the thing. That's not what we're doing here. And so we had 10 buyer M88s a day. Uh, and if the kick drum didn't sound great, the first thing we did was we moved the microphone. And if that didn't work, it was great. We would, the drum tech would sit up there and he'd hit the kick drum and then we'd change the different mic. And he's like, oh, that one's not at all. That's, that's not working. So we'd put that in the do not use today pile. And we would do this. I mean, it would take 20 <laughs> minutes and we would boil it down to the top three. And a, it, a lot of times it was a different microphone every day. You know, it's just how the weather, the temperature, whatever else did, because um, we really wanted to start at the source. And Dave's like, if it's good up here, I know I'll be great out there. And I think that's one of the things is if, if that Christian was hitting on is so important. If you can work on your sound uh, for that situation, it's going to be consistent no matter where you go. So if you play different services, if you go to different churches, if you have that at the source, correct. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter if you're doing the Grammys. It doesn't matter if you're doing Saturday Night Live. It doesn't matter if you're doing Sunday morning worship, right? Because your sound is so dialed in. And so for me, um, and I approach things very musically. I'm I'm not a technical guy. I mean, I can sit there and say a couple numbers and letters, but a lot of it I don't really understand. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, do this, parallel compress that because you want everything to sound like it's in this little whatever. I, I just approach it very musically and and I I enjoy mixing. So um, although it's gotten me in trouble a little bit, Christian, haha. Um, if somebody's pitchy, you can, you know, ride, you know, ride pitch or ride vocal or, um, do different things like that. If, you know, if compression's needed, compression's needed, but I think less is more because if, if, if we're working together, um, the, the musicians are, are giving you great inputs, your microphones are in the right spot, your gain structure's great then that's 95% of it right there. That's great. And then we can give we can give the band consistency as well because that's our job as a monitor mixer. Like Christian was talking about earlier, he goes to Saturday Night Live, things aren't right. You know, what you how you approach that is, is okay, this is what Christian normally has in this mix and I'm going to get it as close to that as I can so that he feels comfortable. And that's your job as a monitor mixer is to make everybody on stage feel comfortable so that they can do their jobs. That's great. Man, what a great way to wrap up because that is what everybody needs to hear when they're thinking about making the people on stage comfortable and happy and, you know, let them express musically what's, you know, the best that they can bring. It's like not to be distracting, not to be overbearing, not to be with an attitude. It's, you know, it's all those things. So I'll let you know how my attitude is Sunday. <laughs> I'll <report> back in. <laughs> hey, some days are better than others. Hey, Bull, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're taking this, this dog and pony show on the road um, and uh, we'll be swinging through Nashville in October. I'll email you. Um, if you're okay. uh, f free, I'd love for you to pop in. I think a lot of our community would love to m meet you, ask questions, shake hands, you know, if nothing else. we I'd be honored to. Just a yeah, quick hang. We're going to be in there in sometime in October, so I'll shoot you that in an email. That'd be great. I'd be honored. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for this conversation. I know everybody's going to benefit from it, so I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Man, what a great conversation. Those guys are awesome. I love the insights that they shared. Can we talk for a minute, though, about 84 wedges? I mean, come on. Can you imagine? So next time you're up for a challenge, just fill your stage from left to right, front to back with a bunch of wedges and try to make your band fit into all that. Unbelievable. 
you know, there's a couple of takeaways that I don't want us to miss. First, I love the idea of STP. Just remember Stone Temple Pilots. What your musicians need most is self, time, and pitch. They need to be able to hear themselves. They need a time reference and a pitch reference. So don't necessarily worry about getting an album quality mix in their ears right away. To get up and running quickly, just remember self, time, and pitch. Also, the idea of subtractive mixing. So if somebody asks for more of something in their mix, you need to think of, okay, what can they get away with having less of to make the net effect more of what they think they need? And then like every interview we have, I can't stress enough the importance of communication. Humbly approaching what we do on the relational side as well. You know, as much as we want to be skilled as an engineer, it's the soft skills sometimes that speak louder than anything else. So focus on how you can humbly serve and give your, mus give your musicians on stage what they need to get better. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Uh, don't forget to share and subscribe and like the podcast. We want to continue to expand the reach and just let more people know that we're out here. And so the more you can help us with that, we sure appreciate it. And again, remember to get your tickets for the MXU live tour. Uh, the early bird pricing ends at the end of this month, so you want to grab your tickets before then. Just go to mxu.rocks, and you can see all the cities and all the dates. We can't wait to see you there. Until next time, have a great week. Take care.